to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. Why don't we go ahead, let's turn to uh, Luke 19, picking up in verse 11. So Luke 19, 11. We're going to be looking at verses 11 to 27. The title of our message this morning is Reward of the Faithful. My wife, she teaches a, uh, a ladies' Bible study at Calvary Costa Mesa once a month on uh, the first Monday of every month. And uh, it's a ministry to minister to ladies that are not able to have children. And uh, it's just kind of a special little niche there. And we lost, as most of you know, we lost three babies. So it's kind of a way that she can comfort others in the same comfort that God has given her comfort. And it's it's been a real special ministry, but it's small. I mean, it's a very limited ministry, you know. So, you know, there's anywhere, I don't know, anywhere from one person to ten people that are there. And it's just a a small little ministry, but she's been faithful at it. And uh, in August... There was a lady that was there. She was sharing with her, and she realized this lady wasn't a Christian. She wasn't even born again. She's going to church, but she's not born again. So Kathleen shared the gospel with this lady, and her name's Donna, and Donna prayed to receive the Lord. And it was just so exciting. You know, my wife told me, this lady, I can't believe this. She prayed to receive Christ. This is so good. Well, September was... uh, was Labor Day weekend or Labor Day, uh, the first Monday, so they canceled the class. So this, this past Monday, she was there, and this lady is so on fire for Jesus. She's like, you won't believe what, since the last time I seen you guys. She goes, I've been baptized already at Corona Del Mar. I'm reading my Bible every day. This, these are the verses that God's speaking to me. She says, oh, the labor of love. We, I showed up there. I loved it. And I went to the Harvest Crusade. I didn't even know if I should go forward because I'm already saved. But, you know, the Holy Spirit says, no, go up there and make a public profession. So I went up front and I made a public for, profession of Jesus Christ. She's just like bouncing off the walls. How wonderful. She even said, it's funny, she said she, her her previous pastor, she invited him to the Harvest Crusade. She said, you need to go to the Harvest Crusade. She, this woman just loves the Lord. <laughs> but I look at that, and I think of the fact that, you know, I'm so thankful that my wife has been faithful to that ministry, the faithfulness. And God desires, is, you know, as his servants, that we should be faithful to whatever the Lord has called us to do. So with that, let's look at God's servants in our chapter here in faithfulness. Let's take a look again. Luke 19, picking up in verse 11. And it says, Now as they heard these things, he, this is Jesus, spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore he, Jesus said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. Very important. Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. So it was, or excuse me, and so it was, that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded the servants to whom he had given money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, the mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a little, in a very little. Have authority over ten cities. 
And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you do not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. What, why then did you not put my money, notice my money, in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. What a heavy passage. Did you notice in verse 11, it says, because he was near Jerusalem. We've been looking at he's making his way to Jerusalem. But because he was near Jerusalem, he tells this parable, uh, and, and they thought, it says, and they thought the kingdom would, be, would appear immediately. They, the disciples of Jesus thought when Jesus entered into Jerusalem that he was going to declare himself as king and take over right then and there. They thought for sure, he's the Messiah, he's the king that was prophesied about, he's going to rule and reign, and, and they were, were so looking forward to Jesus just taking immediate you know, reign of his kingdom and, and taking out the Roman oppression. So because of that, Jesus makes it clear through this parable that he's going to go away for a while. And when he returns, he expects his servants to be serving and to be faithful at what God, what God has called them to do. And that's what this parable is about. So I want to just for just a couple things to break it down. The nobleman, if you look at your screen, the nobleman equals Jesus in our parable. So the nobleman equals Jesus in our parable. Just to take note if you're a note taker. The servants that they represent the Christians and the, the citizens that hated him. This is the unbelieving World, And the mina represents our time, gifts, talents, and treasures. And, excuse me, talents and resources and treasures too. So look back, if you can with me, verse, verse 12 there. Therefore he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return, and he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, and this is the key, do business Till I come. When I first read this, I, I thought that he gave each of the servants ten minas. But if you really look at the story, he gave each one of them. There was ten, and he divided it out. Each one received one mina. If you're curious, uh, as I do, you know, kind of studied this, a mina equals like a hundred days' wages. If I don't know, you, you try to do the math at today's wages. I came up with like nineteen thousand dollars a piece, somewhere like so. It's a significant amount of money. But again, the key is do business till I come. God expects us to invest. And this is a, a parable that for sure speaks of us investing our time, our talents, our gifts, our resources to, to invest in the kingdom and the importance of us realizing the importance of investing for eternity. He tells his servants, do business till I come. And he's telling the same thing to all of us as believers. Do business till I come. 
occupy, you know, do what you're called to do. Find out what you're called to do. Do you know what you're called to do for the kingdom? I, I might even, just for just curiosity's sake, if you know what you're called to do for the kingdom, can you just raise your hand up here if you, you feel you know what you've called to do for the kingdom? Wow. There is, there's some people are going like this even. <laughs> we got some two-handers. Few of them like this, and not too many people with a hand straight up. God wants to, you to know what you're called to do, I believe. God has given to each one of us gifts and talents. And, and I think what can happen is, is you might think that you have a gift or a talent, but sometimes I've noticed but a person uh, might have a gift or a talent that seems like it's better than your gift or better than your talent. So you're like, well, what the, why should I even use it? No, God wants you to use it. I would say for all of you that did not raise your hands, I would suggest possibly pray and ask, Lord, what am I here on earth for? What did you create me for? Why am I created? What, you know, how can I invest and do business here? How can I make a difference for your kingdom starting today? I would highly suggest you make that prayer because all of us, did you notice, all of his, serv his servants were giving, given money. There wasn't, it didn't say there was, you know, 10 of his servants, he gave four of them money. Or in a, like in our sanctuary, there's probably about, oh, I don't know, maybe 10% of the hands went up. And it, it doesn't say 10%. He just gave one of the servants, all these, he gave 10 minas, 10, you know, all the monies and says, here, just you. You're so gifted. It's just yours. No, he divided it all out equally. So if Jesus Christ was here and he was saying, okay, he would look over this room and say, I've given every single one of you gifts and talents, every one of you, everyone that's here, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he would say, I've given, I've given you gifts and talents, every one of you. And now I want you to use it until I come. I want you to use your gifts until I come. And how can you use a gift that you don't know that you have? He wants to show it to you. Do business till I come. After service on Sunday, last Sunday, a lady came up to say hi to me. She actually, she's from England, I believe. And she liked the analogy of, uh, the analogy I did with, you know, Jesus being top of the list. And she says, but actually, you know, the vicar, I think she said vicar, one of them, there at, you know, where I'm from, he tells me that uh, it's more like a wheel, you know, and in the center of the wheel, there's Jesus. And then the spokes go out like this. And this is our life and, you know, our family, our friends and all this kind of stuff. She's, you know, I said, I love that. That's wonderful. I love that analogy. But the thing is, Jesus really needs to be in the center, though. He has to be in the center. And after talking with her, you know, I talked about being born again. I says, well, uh, are you born again? And, and she says, well, I think so. I was baptized as an infant. I was confirmed. And I says, well, let me show you. And I opened up the Bible where Jesus said we must be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. And right here in front, she got it. I believe she understood. And she prayed to ask Jesus to come live inside her and to be born again. Not only that, it was kind of funny. I, I said, you know, we've got to let the Bible tell us. We got the Bible is the standard. The Bible needs to correct us. If it's in the Bible, that's how we, you know, we can have opinions. And then, you know, we talked about, I says, for example, before I knew the Lord, you know, people would say they, they know that they're going to heaven. I used to say, you can't know that you're going to heaven. She goes, yeah, that's right. You can't know you're going to heaven. I says, well, guess what? You can. Because the Bible says that you'll know that you have eternal life. And after she prayed to receive the Lord, I said something like, well, you know, where are you going when you die? And she says, I'm going to heaven. Because of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Why I told you that story? No, this. <laughs> Do business till I come.
We're to share the word of God. We're to share the good news. We're to use the, the gifts. We're to interject the word of God. I, I can't say, you know, I did anything fancy when this lady came up front. I didn't, you know, it was the word of God. I just kept pointing her to the word of God. And any one of us can do that. It doesn't, you don't need a pastor to point people to the word of God. We're called to do that. So one thing for sure, you're called to share the gospel and you're called to share the word of God. Check this out. There was a study done by, uh, they're called Reveal Research Team. And actually, this study probably fits our sanctuary here, possibly. It says, it showed that only 11% of Christians feel that they are advancing in their faith. 11% of Christians feel that they are advancing in their faith. That's a low percentage. So that means 11%, according to the study, they, they, they just feel like they're, they're just not making headway. They're not advancing in their faith. But that's not a scriptural thing. In Christ, we're to be advancing. We're to, we're to increase. We're to abound in those things of the Lord. We're to grow in those things of the Lord. As we spend time in the Word, as we spend time in fellowship, we're to grow and abound. So that means 89% of the people that are sitting in the pews are feeling probably spiritually dry and defeated. Let me tell you, God wants to equip each one of us for his kingdom and for his glory. He does not want us to be defeated. He doesn't want us to be dry. He doesn't want us to go back. He wants us to go forward. He wants us to conquer, and he wants us to take over ground that the enemy has taken, which goes with this. I love this verse, or these two verses. If you have a pen, you know, take note. I have it up on the screen, but I'm sure you know these two verses, but check this out. There's more than two verses. Sorry. Well, there's two up on our screen, though. Paul the Apostle, writing to those in Rome, Romans 8.34, it says, Who is he who condemns? I love this verse. It is Christ who died, and furthermore also has risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Does this sound like, you know, who is the that's condemning? If you're here today and you're condemned, it's, it's Paul the Apostle through the Scripture saying, Who is it that's condemning you? And if you say, well, Jesus, I messed up, and he's probably really mad at me right now. No, no. It's saying, no, he's not condemning you. He's not the one. He's the one that died for you at the cross. He's the one that rose from the dead, and he's the one that's it's, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for every one of us right now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You might feel, feel separated from the love of Christ. Say, well, you know, I'm separated. I don't feel God's presence anymore, and he's, he's distant from me. I messed up real bad. Well, who separates us? He breaks that down. Shall tribulation, you're going through troubles? That shouldn't separate you. Or distress, are you going through distress? That shouldn't. Persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? Are you going through some heavy battles? As it is written, next verse, verse 36, for your sake we are killed all day long. I don't like that part. Do you like that part? <laughs> we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. I believe what he's saying is, yeah, you're going to go through persecutions. You're going to go through difficult times. You're going to go through, and it's going to be as if you're defeated. But yet, the next verse, if you stop there, we could just cry and go home and say, this is a terrible Christian existence. But the next verse says, yet, in how many things? All these things. We are what? More than? Through who? Him who loves us. We're more than conquerors. If we could grasp these verses, if we can understand these verses, no, it, Paul the Apostle said, no matter what happens, no matter what troubles you go through, no matter you know, if it feels like you're going to die, you better realize something, that through Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors because he loves us. And that word, if you're a note-taker, more than conquerors means to gain a surpassing victory. It, it would have been enough for me if he just said, we are conquerors. That would have been fine. We've, through all these things, we are conquerors through him, and I would have been sufficient. But it goes beyond that. It says, wait a second, not just conquerors, you are more than a conqueror. 
You are more than a conqueror. You are more. You, you're gonna, you, you can gain beyond anything you can imagine if you realize the love of Christ that he has for each one of us. Amen? Amen. Let's go back in our text if we can. Verse 15. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given money to be called to him and that he might know how much each man had gained by trading. So he calls his servants. He wants to know, what did, what did you gain? And it's a picture of us in heaven. You know, when we stand before the Lord, he's going to call us and say, okay, what did you do? What do you, you know, how have you gained? Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little. Do you notice that? Very little. Have authority over 10 cities. Just like this parable, just as we've been talking about, we're going to stand before the Lord, each one of us, and give an account. And if we're faithful, we're going to have rewards. I, we don't know exactly what all these rewards are, but I mean, if we could have that eternal mindset, when we get to heaven, the things we do here, we're going to be rewarded for all eternity. And one of the parts of the reward, at least, we're going to be rulers. Somehow, when we're faithful with doing what we're supposed to do here, we're going to rule and reign with, with Christ. In the millennial reign, we're going to be uh, you know, kings and priests. And to, I don't even think our mind can fully fathom that. We're going to be kings and priests. We're going to rule and reign with Christ. We're going to be over territories, possibly. And it, you know, it's like, this is your territory. I remember Pastor Chuck saying, you know, he's got dibs on Hawaii. I don't know if you have... <laughs> I don't know how all that works, if you can have dibs on these things, but, but somehow, some way, we're going to be, have great rewards. And, and if we could keep that mindset that the things we do here are going to count for all eternity, and I believe that they're going to be not only count for each other, they're going to stay with us forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, on and on, thousands of years, millions of years, ten billions of years, zillions of years, we're going to be with these rewards, and how is it that we can get so, you know, temporal-minded and so caught up on the temporal? What am I going to do, you know, for me, me, me? Instead of what am I going to do for his kingdom that's going to last and I can send it ahead, I can invest in heaven. What can I do today that's going to count for all eternity? If we could get that mindset, that's what this parable is about. Rewards forever. I love this. Jesus speaking to the church in Thyatira, he says, and he who... And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Another verse that talks about this. There's many throughout. You should do a study. Type in, you know, not right now, please, but in Google, put scriptures re regarding rewards. And just all kinds of different scriptures. But another one, Revelation 5, 9, it says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, talking about Jesus, and have redeemed us to God by your blood and out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations. And then in, in, in verse 10, it says, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Talking about the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign. This is for those that overcome. So there's many more. I'm going to have you do that study. Hopefully you can do that on your own. But back in our text. And the second came and saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Did you notice something missing in there? Did you notice that? There's no well done. 
He's not commending him. He's, he's just, he just says, you're over. I, I think, you, I, I believe people like this, they, they kind of, they did some things for the Lord. They were in and out, in and out, kind of halfway in, halfway out. And he's, instead of saying, well done, he says, you know what? <laughs> You've got five cities. It was good. You, 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 he's not going to tell you you did well done because I believe he's thinking, you could have did so much more. There was so much more for you. Then another came saying, Master, here's your mina, which I have put away, verse 20, in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. Did you notice that? You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? He said to those Take the mina, give it to the one that has 10. And I love in the parentheses, they're like, he's already got 10 minas. You're going to give him more? I believe this is an example of those that make excuses. He made an excuse. He said, oh, you're a harsh, austere means harsh. You're a rough, you're a rigid master. But I believe it's those that make excuses. Why not? In our first outreach, when we first started, we started this work in 2003. First church in Sunset Beach in over 100 years. They've never had a church in over 100 years. So we started the work. We were excited. We're going to have one, our, our first, like, outreach, our first, you know, Bible study outreach. We're going to, you know, make it real nice for everybody. We, we, I don't know how many flyers. We printed up thousands of flyers. And, you know, we went to every house in the area. We went to all the businesses. We had teams going out and handing out. And then we were so excited. It was, I believe it was a Monday night. We get there the Monday night, and everybody shows up from the congregation, the little group that we had. And we're looking for new people coming in the door. Not one. Not one. And I remember the disappointment. I was like, not one. Lord, nothing. And, and at the time, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, you know, and I know for a fact you want us here, but, you know, this is, you know, talk about, usually you judge by the fruit. <laughs> like, well, no fruit. <laughs> so we packed our bags. We're walking home. No, no. <laughs> That's what we felt like doing, though. No fruit. Zero. I remember walking out that Monday night. I went out the front door. I just kind of my head down thinking, Lord, nobody. And I seen a guy in a motorcycle. You know, there we were at the Sunset Beach Women's Club over there. And a guy sitting on the motorcycle. And he was looking in our window. And he's just sitting there. And I was so down, probably depressed. I didn't even want to talk to the guy. I just walked away. I'm like, Lord. And I'm just walking away. And the Lord spoke to my heart very clearly. And he says, be consistent. In other words, be faithful. And he spoke to my heart, I believe, and said, they know that you're here. And they will come. Just be consistent. When I heard that from the Lord, I was so excited. I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to look at the fruit. I'm not going to look at, you know, immediate results. I'm just going to be faithful. And, 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 you know, another pastor told me, if one person shows up to listen to you preach, that's one more than you deserve. And you preach to that one person as if there was 10,000 or 20,000 people standing in front of you, sitting in front of you, because that's what you're going to be called on, your faithfulness. When, when Jesus said, well done, when, when we go to heaven, he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And I want to put that up on the board so you can see it. Right there, Matthew 25, 21. Jesus says, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Check this out. It says, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter in the joy of the Lord. Notice it doesn't, he doesn't say, well done, good and talented servant. It doesn't say, well done, good, and successful servant, does it? When we go before the Lord, he's not going to say, wow, you are so successful. 
I don't believe that's, it doesn't tell us that in Scripture. It doesn't say, you are so talented. And I don't see this picture at all. You go into heaven, they're like, hey, let, let, let all the angels stand. Let's all apply. Well, you were, so you were it. I don't think that's going to happen. It says, well done, good and faithful servant. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. Glory.